Give me a go, no go for launch. Just when you think you're out, they pull you back in. I was gonna say something that was not true. I, I don't know why we do these. Let's make film history. We are go for launch. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Almost Sideways podcast. Uh, we're going uh, to have quite a quick turnaround here with the last couple podcasts because we wanted to get one more in before the biggest day in movies of the entire year, and that is Oscar Sunday, which is coming up uh, this weekend. And we wanted to talk a little bit about the Oscars and uh, and have a podcast dedicated just to that Uh so thanks again so much for listening. Uh, find us on iTunes. Subscribe, unsubscribe, resubscribe. Do that as many times as you want. That'll help us out. Then please rate us. Leave us a review. Uh, we will look at them. We will read them. Uh, and maybe we'll uh, read some of the good ones on the on the podcast. We'll see. Uh, also find us almostsideways.com. Uh, find us on Facebook. Find us on Twitter. Uh, you can find our uh, our almost sideways contributor Adam Daly at Adam Daly Live and the Red and Brown podcast. So listen to our podcast first, then go listen to Red and Brown. Do make sure you do it in that order. That's the order they're they're meant to be in, and they would say the same. Uh, as always, I'm your host Terry Plucknett. Uh, joining me are uh, are Todd Plucknett and Zach Saltz. Uh, Todd. Uh, how, how's it going? We just finished up, uh, you know, we had uh, NBA All-Star game. Pitchers and catchers have reported. Other than that, it's it's kind of slow come uh, with uh, sports-wise right now. Uh, yeah, I've just been watching a lot of college hoops. Uh, wishing I was in Vegas so I could make money off of my uh, amazing insight. But, yeah, no, I haven't really been watching any any other sports. Yeah, how about I'm making my way through the Sopranos? Uh, I started it like a few years ago, and I'm just finally about to finish it. So that's Ooh. that's kind of exciting. That's one. That's one I've always meant to go back to, but I'm in the middle of way too many shows right now that I don't have time for. So like Breaking Bad, like Breaking Bad, and and Game of Thrones. I'm in the middle of uh, thanks to my wife. Uh, yeah, there's there's a few that I'm I'm working on, but I haven't gotten to yet. Uh, Zach, how about you? Have you been watching any sports besides uh, high school basketball? Uh, well, Terry's alluding to the fact that I was—I uh, just came from uh, working some crowd control at uh, the high school uh, game I was at, and uh, yeah, there were some suspicious characters out there. I had to escort them out. I was very intimidating, you know. Um, you were the bouncer. I was the bouncer. <laughs> yeah, all you know, five foot ten, hundred and fifty-five pounds of me. Uh, it was very, very intimidating. Um, people looking at me and. Uh, you know, I told I told them to put their phones away and to stop the cheering. Actually, I didn't, but uh, it was still strenuous work. It is okay. So being in Lawrence, Kansas, where the where Kansas University is and Rock Chalk Jayhawk is high school basketball just like a little more intense there, or does nobody really care? Um, I would say it's somewhere between blue chips and Hoosiers level, because there's nothing to do here except for get drunk and watch basketball get drunk in the in the dry state and watch basketball exactly yeah. well we're not a dry county except for after 8 8 p.m on sunday nights which has led to some mishaps on this podcast in the past but fortunately <laughs> we're not recording this on a sunday there you go there you go all right uh well <clears throat> i always pay really close attention to uh the baseball offseason i'm really excited that spring training has started we're gonna have spring training games in the next week or so 
uh, I'll be uh, I'll be starting my my tour through the league and writing some uh, some preview articles for every team. I'm trying to decide when I'm going to do that. I'm waiting for Harper and Machado to sign because they're kind of some some needle movers in terms of how well some teams are going to do. Uh, my my prediction right now is Harper is a Philly, Machado's a White Sox, but I've been saying that for a while and they haven't signed. So we'll see what ends up happening. Um, so baseball, what's that? I, I don't even know. I've never heard of that sport dude, before. Dude, dude, don't don't even start with me. I mean, it is February. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, Jumping at the bit there a little I, bit, right? I, I was right I along with say. a bunch of people as that were uh, that were posting on on social media as soon as the Super Bowl ended, like five minutes after the Patriots won the Super Bowl, people were posting. All right, now it's baseball season, and I'm like, yes, yes. Actually, Terry, it's Oscar what, season after the what Super happened Bowl. What the NBA? <laughs> Nobody cares about basketball. the NBA. <laughs> There's March Madness that happens in there, and then yeah. Yeah. A year ago, we were in Vegas betting on college that's basketball. That's true. That, that's very true. Recording this podcast. Yeah. yeah. Audio evidence exists. Audio Why evidence exists. Unfortunately. Do that? Yeah, Zach I Zach reading know. his book yeah. <laughs> in the podcast. <laughs> all I remember is there was something about Barbara Streisand. That's that's about all I all I remember as we sat in our in our hotel room at at night in Vegas recording a podcast about the oscars that's what all yeah all i remember is that it was one of the only times i've ever beat todd at oscar trivia that's true that's true oh uh, yeah it was like 19 like 86 or 85 83 or i think 83 okay <laughs> not that i've you know thought about that uh, but we had just one on rhode island i remember that much we had them uh, at like minus 11 and a half all right. Well, I can tell already this podcast is going to be some fun. Uh, let's get started in in the traditional way now. Um, Zach, what are you drinking tonight? I'm drinking none other than some excellent uh, red Zinfandel, uh, 14% alcohol. I it was only eight dollars when I bought it last Wednesday, and it's aged beautifully the last ten days. <laughs> Has it been on my that shelf? Is way too sweet. <laughs> Has it been open the last ten days? Is that how it's been aging, or? Um, yes, it has. Okay, okay. Yes. Todd, it tastes like the back of an LA school bus. <laughs> Todd, what are you drinking? Uh, I'm drinking some rum uh, mixed with uh, ginger ale. It's not great, but you know, I poured it, so I'm gonna drink it. <laughs> <laughs> that that's that's the key right there. Yeah. All right, so I, I'm drinking. I went out today, and I wanted to find something that would be fitting for our for our Oscars podcast. And I was thinking about what we're going to be talking about. So I uh, I got this beer out of the Worthy Brewing Company in Bend, Oregon. It is their Worthy IPA because we are going to be talking about what tr- what films are truly worthy of the Oscars uh, in this podcast. So uh, ah. so yeah, see what I did there. See what I did there. So uh, so I'm I'm drinking Worthy as we talk about what's worthy so uh cheers cheers you know how sad is it that this is the best segment of our podcast i mean we go on these two-hour diatribes about movies and on and you know stupid irreverent irrelevant stuff and all that we need is just in the first two minutes 
Yeah, we, we should just always end it after after that. Exactly. We, we should. Be, be, listeners have to suffer through two hours to get to the part they want to hear. We should just cancel the Almost Sideways podcast and just start the What Are We Drinking podcast. And it's five minutes long. What are we drinking? And then we then we sign off. Or we can just have like multiple of these throughout the podcast. That's like, true. Or like a little scavenger hunt. <laughs> now what are you drinking? <laughs> Episode two in this podcast of What Are You Drinking? <laughs> Still on the same beer. <laughs> That's the most hilarious thing is that we never deviate. I mean, it's always the same thing. Yeah. The- yeah. You're drinking bargain bargain bin wine. Todd's drinking something hard, and I'm drinking some some witty uh, craft brew from Oregon. And it uh, never changes. That's the hilarious thing. That's the most charming thing about it. Well, well, this time we may need to check in a little later because I have a feeling that once Todd runs out of his uh, of his rum and ginger ale, there's going to be something else in his glass, and uh, we're going to have to go back to him and find out what it is. So uh, stay tuned for that. But let's hop in, hop into what we're doing today. Uh, our whole podcast is our spotlight segment. Spotlight. And this uh, this segment is really inspired by Siskel and Ebert. Uh, as they were getting prepared for the Oscars every year, they used to always do a "If We Picked the Winners" um, segment on, and it'd be an entire episode of their show. Um, and so, what we're going to be doing. We did this last year as well. We're going to be going through the major categories and talking about um, who we think will win, who we think should win, and who we think should have been nominated. So we're going to be looking at the people who are nominated, making our predictions, uh, and we'll be going through and saying who we think was the best performance, and then who we think should have been nominated in each of these spots. Um, Now, as we're going through our predictions... um, I want to remind all of you uh, to go out and find our uh, Almost Sideways Oscar Challenge. Uh, It has been posted on our Facebook page. It is on our Twitter page. It is also on our uh, on almostsideways.com. Just click on Oscar Buzz. You'll find a link to the uh, to the Oscar Challenge. Uh, Sign up for that. Place your uh, bets on the winners. That you will be picking all of the winners Uh, today. We're just going to be giving our predictions for the major categories. And, uh, and you'll see how you stack up against us as we go along. All right, we're going to start with, uh, let's start with adapted screenplay. And uh, well, I think what we're going to do is we're going to go through and, uh, and first say, each of us are going to say who we think should win. So if we were picking the winners, who would win? Uh, who should have been nominated? And then quickly at the end, we'll, we'll give a, a quick prediction on who we think will win. Uh, so Todd, I'm going to start with you. Adapted screenplay... Um, who should win this? Okay, so uh, this is sort of a strange category, and uh, why don't you go through the nominees for us as well? Okay, uh, the nominees were A Star Is Born, Black Klansman, Can You Ever Forgive Me, If Beale Street Could Talk, and The Ballad of Buster Scruggs. <sighs> Uh, Buster Scruggs pretty much came out of nowhere to get in as a nominee, and I don't know, it's way too inconsistent to, for, to be my choice, honestly. I think Black Klansman's probably the best movie of the group, but I think the best screenplay, that one that I would vote for, is definitely If Beale Street Could Talk. I think what Barry Jenkins did 
with that script was extraordinary and made it something poetic and brilliant. And uh, yeah, that would definitely be my choice. Although I have not seen Can You Ever Forgive Me yet. All right. Uh, Zach, what are you thinking? Best adaptation. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. It's interesting you say that, Todd. I have not seen Can You Ever Forgive Me either. Have you seen it, Terry? Mm mm. So that will certainly play in a factor as to some of our voting because it's nominated for a few other awards. Um, so it's hard to say. I really like Nicole Halif Center, and I hope someday she wins an Oscar, but I can't honestly give my support behind a film I haven't seen, although maybe I've done that on the, this podcast a time or two. But uh, hey, This is our not, first nomination, right? Uh, I want to say it is. Yeah, I mean, what else would she have been nominated for? Not for Enough Said, right? And, right, yeah, and all the other ones are too small. Yeah, but... Um, I uh, am going to say that Black Klansman deserves to win, and I think it should win, um, because uh, I want to see my friend Kevin Wilmot get up on stage and uh, thank me. <laughs> no, uh, he won't thank me, but uh, I do know him, and that's my, uh, you know, that's my five minutes, that's my 15 minutes, and uh, no, I think Black Klansman is... Uh, a, a really worthy contender and I you know if Beale Street Could Talk was the movie that was on my top 10 list it's a really strong screenplay A Star is Born is also a great screenplay they're actually pretty strong uh, movies overall but uh, if we're talking about what uh, what should win this is one where I'm going to be a little selfish for a second I want to see uh, Spike Lee win an Oscar I don't know if it's necessarily going to happen for Best Director which is maybe previewing our uh, later predictions but uh, I would love to see Black Klansman win that that would get that would give me a lot of personal fulfillment so you're, you're saying Black Klansman should win not necessarily because it's the best screenplay but because you want to see Spike win uh, yes okay uh, and Kevin Wilmot by the way you still need to work on getting him on the podcast. That this would be an amazing thing, even if it's just like a one-on-one interview of you and him. We we got to have him on here. That would be that'd be amazing. I, I'm I'm sure his his calendar is very empty nowadays. You know, and he's got plenty of spare time. <laughs> After he gets home from the Oscars, talk to him and get and see if you can get an interview with him. That'd be amazing. Get him to participate in the Oscar challenge. There we go. Force him to vote for himself. Yes. Um. I think he'd be the first one that could say that they voted for themselves in the Oscar challenge. Um, yes. Okay, so uh, should win adapted screenplay for me. Um, I haven't seen If Beale Street Could Talk. I haven't seen Can You Ever Forgive Me. And my hunch is that I would say one of those two if I had seen them. Um, I, I've heard amazing things about Can You Ever Forgive Me. And with If Beale Street Could Talk, Barry Jenkins did such an amazing job with Moonlight, I can imagine it's just as good, and you guys have, have mentioned as much. Um, and uh, and Todd, I'm surprised you, you forgot that Nicole Holofcener hasn't been nominated before, because she was on your list of top ten coolest first-time nominees. Um, just a little note for you there. Uh, yeah, ouch. I just remembered that. Yeah. Anyways, uh, I would say um, of the three that are left, I would probably, uh, if I were to pick the winner as the best screenplay, I'd probably say A Star is Born. Um, I agree with Todd. This is a weird category. Um, uh, Black Klansman is a really good movie, but I, I had some issues with it. Uh, Ballad of Buster Scruggs is a ridiculous nomination. I don't even consider that a contender in any way. Uh, and and so it leaves me with A Star is Born, which I, was such an amazing, heartfelt movie. I I would consider the songs uh, a part of 
the screenplay in this case because of how much they uh, play a part in telling this story and the the songwriting in this is amazing uh I, so i would have to go with the star is born out of those three that's the one i would pick is probably the best screenplay now i would also agree with zach that it'd be pretty cool to see spike lee win but i also think it would be pretty cool to see bradley cooper win and i don't think he's winning this year for uh, acting and he wasn't even nominated for directing so it'd be cool to see him uh, slip in here to uh to win a writing oscar wouldn't that be interesting bradley cooper it'd be kind of like uh, how matt damon's an oscar winner for writing even though he's been nominated multiple times for acting so i'm going to star is born same with billy bob thornton yeah that's another good one okay so now todd uh if you were able to we could say add in a sixth nominee or let's face it replace the ballad of buster scruggs with another movie <laughs> what should have been nominated in best adapted screenplay this year well i would i would replace a star is born as well i honestly don't well yeah I you think, hated that I, I forgot i only nominated two of these movies my my personal winner is a movie you guys hate which have would have no shot which is the old man and the gun but I think of what I think should have been nominated was the Sisters Brothers. Like that was a really good movie, and I have no idea why it was just sort of ignored all throughout awards season. John C. Reilly had like a huge year, and that was probably the best performance he gave this year. And and uh, Riz Ahmed and everything. It was a really well written, really interesting movie, and I that's the one I think that was overlooked that I think should have gotten in there. How can you say that that was John C. Reilly's best performance when you haven't seen Holmes and Watson yet? <laughs> true that <laughs> alright uh, Zach what should have been nominated here uh, well I disagree with Todd I think A Star is Born is, is worthy of a nomination in this the one that I would personally take out is The Ballad of Buster Scruggs for some of the reasons that Terry said it's sort of inexplicable that it's there And plus the Coens have won Oscars before and in its place I would put uh, the screenplay for Wildlife uh, which was uh, written by Paul Dano and Zoe Kazan and based on a book by Richard Ford. And uh, Wildlife was really not widely seen. Um, it had a pretty bad uh, publicity campaign. That's the only thing I can really blame because it's actually a really good movie and it has a pretty stellar cast with Jake Gyllenhaal and Carey Mulligan, but it was very overlooked and the studio mishandled it. It has a really nice, rich, literate screenplay set in Montana in the 1960s about this couple that's really tempestuous and on the verge of a divorce and it's sort of told through the perspective of, of their son as he has to endure their, their relationship and their dysfunction. Really well written, very poignant and observed screenplay, and I've actually read some books by Richard Ford, and I'm not uh, always the biggest fan of his writing, so um, I thought, and I actually listened, there's a really good interview with Paul Dano on NPR where he talks about the process that he went through with adapting it with Zoe Kazan, and so um, I, I think it's worthy of a nomination, and it's, it, it's too bad that that missed out. All right. Uh, for me, I would say... I think this this counts. But what should have been nominated um, for me, uh, probably the most, it, it's kind of weird to call it adapted because it's, it, it's, it's such an original idea. Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse was such a cool movie and such a, an original uh, take on, on the superhero genre. Um, obviously it's adapted because it's based off of characters that already exist uh, in, in literature and other films. Uh, but I think this this would have been such a cool way to honor this film is, is putting it into uh, into getting an adapted screenplay nomination. Uh, I I 
we talked about it before. I love this movie. It made my top ten. Uh, it, it's it's so much fun. Um, Phil Lord and Chris Miller do an amazing job with it. I would totally put this in uh, into the into the mix for best adapted screenplay. That's a great pick, Terry. I was I like even it. thinking about possibly picking that one. Very funny, very great screenplay. Yeah, yeah. Nice and, and, and and it's funny because it, it almost feels like an original screenplay, but uh, because just of how or how different it is, but it would be considered adapted, I'm sure. Okay, uh, so let's really quick, um, Todd, what's going to win? Okay, well, the Writers Guild uh, just happened yesterday, and that gave it to Can You Ever Forgive Me, which was pretty much an upset. But I still think that Black Klansman is going to end up uh, being victorious. It's it's got to win something, and I think this is going to be it. Zach, what's going to win? One hundred percent agree with Todd. I think this is an easy category to predict. Spike and Kevin will be up on stage, and watch for Kevin to give out a shout out to uh, Lawrence, Kansas. Rock chalk. All right, and and I agree with you guys. I think, I think yeah, this is where this is where Spike gets his Oscar. Black Klansman uh, should be walking away. Uh, with uh, with best adapted screenplay on Oscar night. All right, best original screenplay. Uh, I'm gonna go to Zach to start this one. Zach, what should win best original screenplay? Well, let's go through the nominees a little bit. There are three absolutely terrible screenplays that are nominated. <laughs> <laughs> Always a great way to start a category. Uh, the nominees. Let's talk about the terrible ones for a second. The terrible ones are First Reformed. Green Book and Vice. Why were these three films nominated? They had terrible screenplays. The problems with these movies were very much originated in their storytelling, and uh, they are completely unworthy nominees. Although it is cool now to say that Paul Schrader is officially an Oscar nominee. So uh, for me, as an as a as a hypothetical Oscar voter, I would be left choosing between Roma and The Favorite, and uh, both of which are pretty solid screenplays. I would lean toward The Favorite because um, it's really well written. It does it, it the screenplay is written in such a way that it can entertain modern audiences, and it actually uses kind of modern uh, vernacular in some ways. But it doesn't ever feel like it's exactly winking at the audience. It feels uh, a lot like Amadeus, is what I compared it to in our podcast when we reviewed it. Um, and it has some great banter in between the characters. It has some great use of foul language in the 18th century, which is wonderful. And the screenplay took Deborah Davis like 20 years to construct out of historical fact. And she did a lot of like research about Queen Anne. And it's speculative, but it never feels too much of a stretch. So uh, I think it's a really impressive screenplay, and it would absolutely get my vote. All right. Uh, for me, I... I, I disagree with you, and we've talked about this before. I liked Green Book. I liked Vice. Um, so I, I don't see... I, I hated First Reformed, and I still don't understand what people see in that. However, like you said, Paul Schrader, Oscar nominee now, even though it should have happened 40 years ago. Um, but uh, I, I'm going to side with you on, on this, um, because Green Book and Vice, they're good, but I don't think necessarily that they're that they're that strong as screenplays. Uh, so, which leads you to Roma and the favorite. Roma is great not because of its screenplay or, or because of the story. It's great because of its direction. So uh, the favorite is such a, such a great original concept. It's a great um, 
it's uh, brilliantly written. Uh, everything you just said, Zach, I, I agree completely with. If I were to be voting on this, I would totally vote for the favorite to, to win Best Original Screenplay here. Uh, Todd, what do you think? Yeah, I echo what you guys said. Uh, yeah, I and I, yeah, I don't like those three movies either. And Roma isn't really an achievement in screenplay. I think that it actually getting nominated here is really just a nod to how much the Academy actually loved the movie because it's really more of a visual experience than a than a writing experience. And yeah, the favorite is dialogue rich and it's brilliant. And yeah, the favorite is should should win this category. All right. So with that said. Uh, Zach, what should have been nominated? Well, I think it's pretty clear what should have been nominated based on the Writers Guild Awards, and that is Eighth Grade. Uh, the, the screenplay by Bo Burnham, first-time filmmaker. Um, it's a really outstanding story. It has some great uh, dialogue between the characters. I think everyone who sees the movie remembers that heartfelt speech um, at the bonfire in the backyard between uh, Kayla and her dad. And um, I think it's a really kind of incisive and witty and somewhat sarcastic, but also a very genuine and heartfelt look at being a teenager in uh, this era in the 2010s with social media um and uh i think it's a shame that it got overlooked and i think the writers guild award is a recognition that it was overlooked and should have been nominated so i think it's a pretty clear choice that that was a, a huge snub uh i i still haven't had time to watch that one yet um i would i would agree probably agree with you if i had uh, but i'm gonna go in a different direction uh, for uh, for best original screenplay, what should have been nominated? I'm going to talk about two different movies that are similar but yet very different. Uh, the first one is uh, is a Quiet Place. Uh, first off, it would be great to see John Krasinski get nominated, and uh, and also it's a it's an amazing movie. I it was one of my favorite trips to the movies all all year last year, um, and. Uh, and it's, it's one where there's not a whole lot of dialogue, but you had to have this amazing script in order to put all this together. So I think A Quiet Place would have been a great nominee here. And the other one I'm going to talk about, I didn't love the film, but the most bonkers script and the most original script of the year was Sorry to Bother You. And uh, I think th having something that off the wall, I mean, that's what best original screenplay is all about. So I would have I thought that... That would have been really fun to see slip in there. Even though I wasn't a huge fan of the movie, I would have totally respected it getting nominated for Best Original Screenplay. So uh, so that, those are my picks there. It would have been the first guy named Boots to get nominated for an Oscar, too. Th that is probably That's true. That's a great factoid. That should be on our trivia. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Todd, who, uh, who should have been nominated? Alright, I mean, I'm pretty much in agreement with Zach. Uh, my personal winner is blind spotting, but 8th grade is just an, like, it's an atrocious snub, honestly. Like, it's the kind of movie that usually gets nominated for Best Surgical Screenplay, too. Like, back to when it was, you know, there was Juno and there was Little Miss Sunshine. Like, these are the kind of movies that get nominated as, like, the, the quirky indie comedy, but it's a lot, I mean, it's even deeper than that, and I, I think it's kind of ridiculous that it didn't get nominated, and the writers obviously loved it, so it makes even less sense. So, yeah. Eighth grade would, is definitely my choice. But blind spotting is a great pick too. I mean, really, we should just knock out those three, and you know, as Terry said, just do multiple picks because those three films should not be nominated, really, for anything, but especially screenplay. Agreed. I agree with Sorry, I agree Terry. with you about First Reformed, but 
Anyways. Okay. Uh, so, uh, Zach, what's going to win? I think this uh, is interesting. Favorite. You think the, the fa- I think the favorite's going to win for, for all the reasons that we, we said. It's literate. It's funny. It's witty. Voters will love it. Uh, I'm I'm going with Green Book. I think this is a spot where Green Book's gonna gonna emerge with a with an Oscar here. Uh, Todd, what do you think? Well, it's interesting because at the Writers Guild, uh, like uh, the favorite was not eligible, so it wasn't nominated. But if Green Book couldn't even beat Eighth Grade, I don't think it's gonna win. I I think I would still go with the the favorite. I, I think that's that's gonna eventually be the winner. It's, it'd be the more traditional choice too. Like it's. It, especially now, it's it's becoming more of like a prestige thing, so I think uh, I think it's the favorite. All right, it, I I think this is one of those categories that is still fairly up in the air of what exactly is going to happen. So uh, it'll be interesting to see uh, to see what's going to happen there. And I think this next category that we're going to look at is another one of those best supporting actress. Uh, so, Best Supporting Actress, uh, the nominees here are Amy Adams for Vice, Emma Stone for The Favorite, Marina de Tavira for Roma, Rachel Vice for The Favorite, and Regina King for If Beale Street Could Talk. Now, I've already mentioned I haven't seen If Beale Street Could Talk, uh, so I can't say that that is the one that should win, but looking at these five, if I were to pick the winner... I would probably vote for Rachel Weisz. Uh, you you have these two powerhouse performances from the favorite, but I think she is definitely the uh, the more charismatic one and the one that carries this movie. Uh, it is it is possibly the most impressive I've I've ever seen her on screen. Uh, I've absolutely loved her performance, uh, and I love the movie. and And she helped make that movie and shape that movie. Her along with Olivia Coleman and and Emma Stone, but I think uh, I think Rachel Weisz kind of outshines both of them. So I would pick Rachel Weisz as my uh, as my winner out of this category. Todd, what do you think, Best Supporting Actress? Uh, yeah, I, I agree with you. Actually, I think Rachel Weisz is the best performance in the of the group, and I think she she's definitely the best performance in the favorite. She's sort of the Judith Anderson and Rebecca of the group. Like she's the the strong one, but also somewhat vulnerable at the same time. And honestly, I don't I don't think Regina King is even the best supporting actress in If Beale Street Could Talk. It's good to see her finally get nominated, but I don't I wouldn't vote for her. Alright. Well don't don't leave us hanging. Who's the best supporting actress in that movie? Uh I don't remember her name. It was the the one daughter. The daughter that Oh, the, uh, Tish, Tish's sister? Yeah. She was good in the movie, I agree. Um, but as for this category, yeah, let's make it three for three. I agree with both of you. I think Rachel Weisz is uh, phenomenal in that movie. It's tough because I think Emma Stone is really good too, and in some ways Emma Stone is maybe more impressive because she's kind of going against type, whereas Rachel Weisz has kind of played this role before to some degree. But she's just so good at it. I mean, really, she's just <laughs> awesome. And like seeing the scenes like where she's literally like stampeded over and beat up, and she's got like a bloody lip and a messed up face, and she's you know writing this letter that's just full of profanity and just horrible hateful words uh it's hilarious and uh she's awesome in it so yeah i i, I second it three it's it's a thrice approved best supporting actress there we go thrice approved okay and she won the bafta so <clears throat> she at least has uh, some chance she's, she's got some weight behind her for sure all right uh so looking at who should have been nominated 
I mean, there there's a couple different ways that that I could go here. I mean, Marina de Tavirik really came out of nowhere to get this nomination, and being the champion for Roma that I am, I was thrilled to see her in there. However, it was a shock that she got in there. So, I mean, I could mention Claire Foy, who was the one that got snubbed when uh, when Marina de Tavira made it in. Uh, however, I'm going to go a slightly different direction, and I'm I'm sure Zach is going to appreciate this one as well, and Todd Todd will as well. Uh, who should have been nominated uh, is a movie that was completely uh, completely ignored by the Oscars, by the Academy, and that is uh, Thomas and McKenzie for uh, Leave No Trace. Uh, she gave this outstanding performance as this teenage girl uh, living this homeless life with her father. Uh, she carried that movie and, uh, and matched Ben Foster's uh, acting chops, which is really hard to do. Uh, so I'm gonna go Thomas and McKenzie, and uh, and with you know I could say I could say Claire Foy, I could say Emily Blunt for A Quiet Place. There, there's a lot of different ways I could go, but I'm gonna go Thomas and McKenzie. Uh, Todd, who should have been nominated for Best Supporting Actress? Well, I would say Thomas and McKenzie, but I think there's a little category fraud there. I think she's Best Actress. That's a valid but... point, but the, if if she was gonna get nominated, you know, it was gonna be for supporting. There was no way yeah. she'd be nominated for lead. Yeah, I mean, I guess she wasn't exactly Quavon Janine Wallace or anything. Yeah. Uh, so I had a couple in mind. My personal winner is Sakura Ando for Shoplifters, which is my favorite performance of the year, but she would have had no shot. So I went with uh, Tessa Thompson for Sorry to Bother You. I think she was crazy in that movie, and I, I think she's been really good ever since she kind of burst on the screen a few years ago. And I don't know. Th- this is kind of a really bad category overall, and uh, there aren't a lot of great performances by supporting actresses here. But that was one that always that, that stuck with me for the majority of the year. All right, uh, Zach, where are you going on this one? Yeah, it's. I agree with Todd. It's sort of a weak category. Um, it's hard to kind of pick one out. Uh, I tried to stay somewhat realistic with with my choices. Um, you know, somewhat within the confines of uh, believing that it was possible. So I decided to go with uh, uh, none other than um, Zoe Kazan in The Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Uh, hmm. She wasn't nominated for anything, um, but she's a really talented actress who I think is getting a lot more attention in these last couple of years. And uh, she's the best performance in that movie and the best part of that movie, um, the f- best short short segment from that movie. So uh, she's amazing in it difficult role to play stands out among a cast of a-listers and uh is is really quite impressive so i guess in my oscar ballot she would be a a, a two-time winner or at least a two-time nominee she should be there you go there you go all right now now for the prediction i think this one is, is kind of an open race uh i'm gonna say i still think it's gonna be uh regina king's night um i know they're she hasn't gotten much recently, but I think uh, I think she's got enough going for her. I'm picking Regina King. Todd, where are you going? Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I think she's eventually going to win, despite her BAFTA and SAG snubs. Uh, I think, and she's going to have a great political, ecological, sanitation level uh, speech <laughs> too. So. It's a bold prediction. All right, Zach, where are you going? Uh, I think we're thrice approved again. I'm going to go with Regina King as well. I feel like if uh, Rachel Weisz didn't already have an Oscar, this would be her Oscar. But I think uh, Regina King's kind of personal narrative makes it a compelling award. And um, 
she's great in the one scene where she's in Puerto Rico. Otherwise, she kind of disappears in the movie, so it's sort of strange that she's getting this kind of recognition, but uh, she's good in the scenes that she's in, and, um, you know, good for her when she wins. I've heard some people trying to champion uh, Amy Adams for this award for the for that exact reason. You know, Rachel Weisz already has one, so, so why not go to Amy Adams and it being a little weak overall, but... I can't see that happening. Not goes, for that if performance. If it goes to Amy Adams, like what a huge disappointment that is. I mean, that's just awful. Like Amy Adams has been so great in so many other movies, and this is the movie she's going to win her first Oscar for. Give me a break. Right. It's it's one of those where I'll, why did that have to be the one? So I I, I can't be. It, that's not what it's going to be. But uh, all right. So yeah, I think that one that one does have some intrigue still with it. But uh, I'm surprised uh, we're all going the same direction. Uh, the next category, I think there is a lot less intrigue on uh, on who is going to win. We'll get to that in a second. But uh, Best Supporting Actor, Todd, why don't you run down the nominees for us and tell you who you think should win. Okay, the nominees are Mahershala Ali for Green Book, Sam Elliott for A Star is Born, Richard E. Grant for Can You Ever Forgive Me, Adam Driver for Black Klansman, and Sam Rockwell for Vice. Now... I, I have not seen Can You Ever Forgive Me, and I suspect it's probably the best performance in this group, but I, I would lean toward Adam Driver as my choice. I, I think that he really steals that movie, and I and he, he's been great uh, in, in recent years, but th- this is sort of the performance that was easiest to nominate for him, and I, I think it's it definitely would be the choice out of these five, which I'm not really that ecstatic about. All right. Uh, Zach, what about you? Yeah, I sort of echo Todd's sentiments. I I think this is a really, really weak category. Uh, although, as we've said, I haven't seen Can You Forever Forgive Me, and I would guess that Richard E. Grant is phenomenal in it based on all the award nominations that he's been given. On, on the other side, though, I think this is a really weak category. These are four performances that, for me, are pretty unmemorable. I can't even remember, really, Sam Rockwell in Vice. I know he played George W. Bush... I remember the trailer for it. I don't remember him in the movie. I mean, it was so unmemorable. Um, and Sam Elliott got a lot of buzz uh, early in the race. I, gosh, I know as strange as this sounds, um, I think my vote would actually be for Mahershala Ali uh, because I think he does everything he can with a role that is kind of incendiary and sort of uh, cliched, and it would be cool seeing him as a two-time winner. Um, he's certainly the best part of Green Book, and uh, if there's any parts in the movie that are watchable, it's, it's because of him. So I, I guess I'd have to give it to him. All right. Uh, yeah, I, I agree with you guys. Um, Sam Rockwell's nomination is a joke. Uh, it, it's it's the let's reward the um, the the guy we just gave a win to uh, last year. And it's funny. I mean, we talked about how he was one of the best actors never to be nominated. Then he he gets his win last year, and now he's getting nominated for stuff that he doesn't even deserve to be nominated for. And. Uh, I like you guys like we've already said I haven't seen can you ever forgive me um, I look at Adam Driver and Sam Elliott as the those are good for you nominations it's like oh Adam Driver good for you good for you you're a nominee now oh Sam Elliott good for you good for you that they're they're solid performances but I don't think there's anything necessarily <laughs> special in them um, however Mahershala Ali was special uh, and he is special every time he's on screen 
uh, every time he acts, uh, he he turns this character that um, I think could have been very uh, very cliche and and what you guys have been saying about Green Book of what you didn't like about it. I think because Mahershala Ali is at the heart of it, it um, it turns into something different, and he's able to make that make that movie very uh, very poignant and very uh, very heartfelt because of his performance in it. And so, I don't even think there's there's much debate in my mind. Mahershala Ali is the one that should be winning out of this category. So, Todd, who should have been nominated? All right. <clears throat> so my uh, my personal winner is Rafael Casal for Blind Spotting, but there's no scenario where he ever would have been nominated. So I went with a uh, uh, Timothy Chalamet for Beautiful Boy. And so I would just watch this recently, and when I was watching it, I was I was thinking like, man, he is like a young Heath Ledger. And then I I was like, this actually movie reminds me a lot of Candy, and it, that's actually written by the same person who wrote Candy, which I didn't actually realize. But he he is a extraordinary in that movie. He's borderline lead, but I I think that uh, snubbing him is sort of strange because that that is the type of uh nomination that that would typically have been a shoe in and he somehow just got beat out at the last minute by a performance that lasted 10 minutes by sam rockwell so yeah timothy chalamet should have been nominated out of this group for sure all right zach where are you going uh i'm i'm gonna go in a slightly different direction um I miss the days when the Academy Awards would give a supporting actor nomination or actress nomination to a performance from just one or two scenes. You know, call it the Beatrice Strait Award or the Judy Dench and Shakespeare in Love Award. And that's or, the direction. Or the I'm William Hurt Award. Or the William Hurt Award. Or yes. Sam Rockwell in Vice. <laughs> that too. Only. Well yeah, he took up a lot of the trailer time, though. Um, but the direction I'm going in is uh, a, a supporting actor who dominated the one scene he was in in this movie, and he left an indelible impact, and we've talked about it on the podcast, and that is Brian Tyree Henry in If Beale Street Could Talk. Man, that guy is like, I mean, what can I say? He comes off the bench, he's got, you know, charisma, he's just shooting threes and draining them in the uh, six minutes of playing time he has and uh, he's spectacular in, in his really one, maybe two scenes in the movie. It gives a great monologue and uh, is just a, an indelible, unforgettable presence in that movie. He's awesome. In the five minutes he's in that movie, he's way better than anyone else in this category, except for maybe Richard E. Grant. I, yeah, I agree. I thought about that one, too. He's also really good in White Boy Rick and in the Spider-Man movie. And obviously in Atlanta, he's a great actor. I can't wait to see what he does it's, next. It's his year. The Oscars should have recognized that. When you were mentioning just the one, the one scene, I thought you were going to say Alec Baldwin for Black Klansman. Oh, interesting. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, I, I could see it maybe. Yeah. Uh, I had trouble coming up with a with a good one out of the movies that I've seen. Um, and uh, the one I stumbled upon that I'm that I'm gonna go with is one that if this uh, if this actor were a little bit more established and have had done uh, some more uh, serious roles, it totally is a is a role that would have been nominated, and that's Nicholas Holt in The Favorite. Uh, I thought he was he was outstanding in this, and and this really is carried by the three uh, the three females in it, by Olivia Coleman, Emma Stone, and Rachel Weisz. But Nicholas Holt gives a pretty awesome performance. As a, as one of the one of the politicians that's uh, that's fighting against what's going on, uh, and trying to find his way through it, 
I like I said, if this had if he had like been a nominee before for something else he had done or something like that, th- this role totally would have been nominated and considered. But he wasn't even uh, thought of because you know he he doesn't really do much uh, serious work yet. But I think he totally could have been uh, could have been a nominee here, and I think his work was worthy of it. So I'm going with Nicholas Holt. It's a good choice. If you had seen Eighth Grade, your choice would be Josh Hamilton. I mean, am I right, Todd? Yeah, he would I totally can see nominate. That for sure. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, let, let's let's roll through this quick. Todd, who's gonna win? Uh, yeah, it's gonna be Maharshala Ali. He's gonna be the second two-time winner in this category in the last 10 years, which is kind of strange, but yeah, he's going to win. Zach, who's going to win? Marshall Ali, although um, I think there's a 1% chance Richard E. Grant could win. It wouldn't be the most shocking upset in the history of the Oscars. If, if anyone... But it, it's going to be Marshall. If anyone pull, pulls... Yeah, the I think it would be the biggest shocker of all time. And, and if anyone pulls uh, it off, it's no, Richard it E. Grant. Um, but yeah, it's Mahershala. He's going to win. Well, I think there's enough pushback to Green Book that they could just reject the whole movie and anything it's nominated for. And what would you say is that. the biggest upset in Oscar history? Uh, oh, we know this. That, it was Spotlight, right, one. Zach? Isn't that what you said? I, I did write a whole blog post <laughs> about how Spotlight winning was the biggest upset in Oscar history. I, I don't know if I still stand by that, but uh, well, I, I don't know. Probably Anna Paquin, right? Or Juliet Binoche. Mm. Yeah, one of the one of those two. All right. So it'd be in the supporting category. We've seen it before. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't think a lot of people saw Mark Rylance winning. So it's, it's yeah, possible. but that one nobody knew who was going to win that category. Maybe Alan Arkin beating Eddie Murphy. Yeah, there you go. Another one. Um, all right. Well, uh, or Christoph Waltz a second time. That was pretty shocking too. Yeah, but that was another one that no one knew who was going to win going into it. There, were, there was not a favorite. The point is the precedent is there, so it's not impossible. True, true. However, Mahershala is going to win. Okay. Probably. Uh, let's move on. Best Actress, Zach. I'm going to start with you. Uh, run down the nominees and tell us who should win. Okay, well, the nominees are Glenn Close for The Wife, or should I say The Color of Money? No, I mean The Wife. Uh, Lady Gaga for A Star is Born. Melissa McCarthy for Can You Ever Forgive Me, Olivia Colman for The Favorite, and Yalitza Aparicio for Roma. You know, a lot of people didn't predict Yalitza Aparicio would get nominated, including someone uh, on this podcast. But there was another mm. person on this podcast who did predict it, um, and uh, that person was me. Okay, just got to throw <laughs> that out there. Um, anyway, uh, so uh, we're going with uh, who should win of the five Who should event? win. Yes, okay. It's not like we've been doing this for an hour. Okay, so I'm... <laughs> I'm going to stick with the person that I, I, I said, uh, when I first saw this movie, I thought this award race was over. I'm surprised that this person has fallen so much. I'm surprised that this race is so competitive. And that is Lady Gaga for A Star is Born. I mean, when, come on, when you saw this movie back in October, you didn't think this race is over? I mean, this is the perfect kind of Oscar role. It's her first major film role. She absolutely nails it. She's not wearing her makeup. She's vulnerable. She's exposed. She, uh, you know, acts right. 
right next to Bradley Cooper, and she's phenomenal in it. She holds her own, and uh, we love her. We grow to love her and respect her throughout the film, and uh, it's a multi-layered performance that not only involves acting, but it also involves singing, and it's so soulful and wonderful, and uh, she's absolutely worth uh, worthy of, of this nomination, and she would get my vote. Yeah, I'm going to second that. I'm going with Lady Gaga as well. There are some powerhouse performances in here, and, and uh, it hurts to not not give it to Olivia Coleman. Uh, I loved Yalitza Aparicio in Roma, uh, but yeah, Lady Gaga steals the show, and she shows that she is, uh, she is just as good of an actress as she is a performer, um, and uh, it, it's, it's, it's a star a star making role and and I agree I, it's bizarre that this film in general how far it's fallen just by coming out a couple months too early I, I mean it, it's Lady Gaga had this thing in the bag when that first came out and then everyone else seemed I mean she's what third maybe fourth in this race now um, and uh, and yeah, it's it's amazing how this how this has changed. But yeah, Lady Gaga, absolutely incredible. That would be my pick for who should win. So I'm gonna put on my conspiracy theory theory hat for a second. I think that uh, she's fallen off track a little bit because she hasn't been great on the red carpet. She's been a little bit like glib, and she kind of talks a lot and rambles. And uh, yeah, but it, it's it's everyone though. I mean, A Star Is Born was was considered a a major runner for Best Picture, and and Bradley Cooper was a favorite for Best Actor, and and Bradley Cooper was considered a a decent favorite for Best Director, and he didn't even get the nomination there. I mean, it's the whole film has kind of fallen away. A Star Was Born, but that star faded very quickly. Oh yeah yeah. Oh jeez. You're welcome. You're welcome, world. <laughs> Todd, who should have won? Or who should win? Okay, well, I haven't seen The Wife or Can You Ever Forgive Me. Oh, yeah, I, I, uh, I will echo that. I haven't seen The Wife. I've seen The Wife. It sucks. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think the reason why Lady Gaga isn't going to win is because she's going to win for Best Original Song. But I... Yeah, I, I agree with you that, that she is the best performances of the three that, I, that I've seen. And... Uh, yeah, she pretty much disappears into the role. She makes you forget about what you most know her from, which is uh, Machete Kills and American Horror Story. And uh, yeah, she's she's awesome. And yeah, she should definitely she should definitely win. Except for Glenn Close, has been nominated for like a million times and has not won. But I mean, it, I, see, this is the thing. Uh, do you give a, an Oscar to someone because man, they really should have an Oscar by now? Or do you give it to the that best performance? That didn't work for Peter O'Toole. Yeah. Yeah, that's still one of my favorite jokes was when he was nominated for uh, for Venus and Ellen was hosting that year. She's like, this is Peter O'Toole's eighth nomination. When well, you know what they say, third time's a charm. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, Although I think Amy Adams has been nominated as many times as Glenn Close. It, it, it's got to be getting getting up there. And and I, I think you might be the only person in the world that says oh lady gaga that's that one girl from machete kills machete kills <laughs> yeah i don't think anybody else says that <laughs> yeah i don't think i would say that either. <laughs> all right uh zach who should have been nominated 
Well, I'm going to go down the path that you did in a different category, Terry, and I would I would have nominated Thomas and McKenzie for Leave No Trace. I think this is clearly a lead actress role, um, and I think we're living in an era of Quivangene Wallace and Keisha Castle Hughes, and I think we're we're over the whole like if they're under the age of 14, they only get supporting actor or actress nominations. So this was the best performance in any movie in 2018. So uh, clearly should have been nominated. All right. And 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 I agree. If I if I had if I had considered her as being someone who would have been put into lead category, that's who I would be going with and, too. And, and she is eighteen years old. Let's not forget. True. True. I mean, you know. It's... Wow. Yeah, I probably should have said that, but I didn't. Uh, I'm gonna go with. I had a tough time coming up with this one simply because of the movies I've seen. There weren't a whole lot of lead actresses uh, that um, that weren't already nominated. So the the performance I'm going with was probably one of the more surprising performances of the year, and uh, that is Catherine Hahn in Private Life. Uh, I thought this was a really interesting performance as someone who's more known as you know she's the raunchy uh, one in in the Bad Moms movies, and I. She gave a very, uh, a very complex and poignant performance alongside Paul Giamatti in this in this movie as a, as a a wife that's that's wanting a wanting a baby and trying to get pregnant and having trouble doing it. Um, I thought it was one of the more surprising performances considering what her work had been so far, and uh, it was something that was never going to get nominated, but uh, it would have been nice to see her get some recognition. So I'm going Catherine Hahn in Private Life. Todd, what do you think? Uh, that was actually one of the two that I was considering, too. I think she's awesome in that. Uh, but so since he said it, I'll go with uh, Regina Hall and support the girls. It's another... It, it's a performance that was getting a lot of love from critics, but uh, ended up coming up short in the major awards. Uh, she's playing, like, this uh, manager of, like, a Hooters-type restaurant, and uh, she, she, has a, she, she just has a really grounded... Uh, character and it's it's she's really really good and i'm i'm not really that familiar with her other work but that was that was a she's my number one or two best actress of the year and she should have gotten in this category all right well now uh to another uh anticlimactic statement here um zach who's gonna win glenn close uh yep glenn close todd it's probably Glenn Close, but Olivia Coleman did win the BAFTA, so there is a chance that the there could be a like a uh, Marion Cotillard and Lovey and Rose last minute win for Olivia Coleman, but I still think it's going to be Glenn Close. I agree. This might be where that upset happens, but yeah, it, it's it's looking more and more like it's Glenn Close. But yeah, I mean, the thing is, The Wife is a terrible movie. It's a terrible movie. I mean, and and so was um, the Iron Lady, you know. But maybe now that the voting list has been expanded and membership has is is now, you know, going uh, a little younger. Maybe um, I don't know. Maybe maybe younger voters uh, see past this whole notion that we have to give a lifetime achievement award to someone who hasn't won an Oscar. God forbid. And. Um, Maybe that's the case for Olivia Coleman, but I don't know. I feel like Olivia Coleman and Lady Gaga might split the votes too, so I don't think that's working in either of their favors either. Now, now it would just be crazy if like Yelitz Aparicio 
pops up and wins. That would just be insane. I mean, that would be Juliette Binoche level times. <clears throat> That'd like be 10. Marissa Tomei level. Like, like the rumor's still going around that the wrong name was read. <clears throat> okay, moving on. What would, what's, what's really interesting about that is Yelitia Aparicio doesn't speak English. Like, whenever she's appeared on talk shows, uh, so she would give her speech in Spanish unless she had a translator, which I doubt she would because it would be so shocking. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Best Actor. So the nominees here, we have Bradley Cooper for A Star is Born, Christian Bale for Vice, Rami Malek for Bohemian Rhapsody, Viggo Mortensen for Green Book, and Willem Dafoe for At Eternity's Gate, which I, uh, which we both completely forgot about on the last podcast as we were going through trivia. Uh, because none of us have seen it. Um, this is a really interesting category. Um, I think Viggo Mortensen gives a very good performance, but I don't think he's in the same league with the other three. Uh, I think you have three performances here in Cooper, Malick, and Bale where they completely disappear into their roles. Uh, however, the, the most impressive uh, to me was Christian Bale. I, I, he, he is such an incredible chameleon in how he can disappear into whatever he's doing. And, uh, he was completely unrecognizable in, and, uh, in how he was able to portray Dick Cheney in this performance. Uh, I want, I wanted to say Bradley Cooper. I wanted to say, uh, even Rami Malek, but, uh, the, his performance in Vice, uh, was so over the top amazing. I, Best of his career, uh, I I couldn't believe it. And uh, best of his, career. Uh, that's what I'm going with. I'm that's what I'm wow. going with. Because I mean, it, he's he's such a he can be so over the top sometimes, and yet this was so subtle at the same time as completely disappearing. I, I'd say this is like this is like Philip Seymour Hoffman in Capote level. That's that's what I see in in Christian Bale and Vice. So I absolutely. Uh, love this performance Todd where are you going obviously probably not the same route I am well yeah I mean I assume Willem Dafoe's probably gave the best performance in this group but I yeah I mean I haven't seen it so I can't really say but I I would probably just go with Rami Malek I I think that he he pretty much disappears into that role as Freddie Mercury and he uh, you really can't see much Rami Malek at all in it, and he's playing with a bunch of relatively unknown actors and, like, that terrible guy from The Social Network and, like, Mike Myers and a bunch of other random people, and he pretty much just owns the entire movie, and it is a total best actor performance. That's the one I probably would vote for. All right, Zach, where are you going? Yeah, this is a like the best original screenplay category. This is a, an award where there are three nominees from films that really aren't deserving at all, but I guess their performances were recognizable in some way. Um, I agree with Todd that I'm sure Willem Dafoe does give the best performance. And, uh, you know, between the three of us, we probably see, what, like 98% of all movies that come out. I mean, there is no other podcast out there that listens, that, that watches as many movies as we do, including the Red and Brown podcast. Just going to throw shots fired. <laughs> and the fact that we haven't 
haven't seen some of these movies that are nominated, like At Eternity's Gate and The Wife and Can You Ever Forgive Me, means that Oscar voters haven't either, okay? So um, it means that no one has. Um, anyway, that's just a rant. Uh, my vote would go uh, clearly to Bradley Cooper, who I think is far and away the best act, best performance in this category. Viggo Mortensen and Christian Bale, uh, give, me an, uh, give me a break. I mean, those performances shouldn't be there at all. To say Christian Bale's performance is anywhere on par with his work in like American Psycho or The Fighter or, or I mean, that's, that's ludicrous, Terry. He puts on a fat suit and uses his Batman voice and puts on makeup. I mean, it's so like, uh, it's not a great performance at all. It's just, it's, it's, it's a Saturday Night Live imitation. As for Rami Malek, um, it's a good performance, but he wears fake teeth and uh, lip syncs to the songs and dresses like Freddie Mercury and looks a little like him. To me, Bradley Cooper totally embodies this role. You know, Bradley Cooper's a good-looking movie star, and yet in this movie, he's a washed-out has-been who's a drunk, and he has no musical talent in real life, Bradley Cooper, as he said in interviews, and he pulls off being this huge uh, superstar singer, at least at one point in his life. And... Um, he does it really convincingly and he's this alcoholic dysfunctional person who we feel a lot of uh, pain and sympathy for and uh to also direct himself in that role is impressive too so i think it's clearly and to sing his own songs as well and to write some of them too uh clearly the the best work of uh this category probably maybe the best work of his career see i i I wanted to say bradley cooper but I, i i couldn't resist what christian bale did anyways um what should have been nominated? Harder than playing a fat person. Oh, sorry. That's that's the real question. Alcoholic or fat person? What's harder to play? <laughs> Alcoholism or fat suit? The, the, the Academy loves both. They do. They do. But apparently, they don't love Bradley Cooper right now. <clears throat> Anyways, uh, they what, only gave him three nominations this year. They don't love him, right? Yeah, but they snubbed him for the one that he. Uh, possibly deserve the most anyways uh what should have been nominated there were a lot of different places i could have gone for this um but the one that i think was most egregious that i gotta go with is one that was a film that was ignored way too much and i don't understand why ryan gosling for first man i think was a very um misunderstood performance uh because it's such a I, I talked about you know like philip seymour hoffman and capote just the subtleties of the performance the same thing could be said about ryan gosling in first man he brilliantly portrays really what neil armstrong was all about and if you've seen any interviews or any uh talks with neil armstrong you understand that neil armstrong was this quiet reserved really kind of boring guy and that's what Ryan Gosling portrays, and he shows once again that he's one of the best actors working, and the fact that he was completely ignored for this performance is outrageous and ridiculous, and he should have been nominated. Todd, where are you going? Uh, well, my personal winner is uh, Burt Reynolds in The Last Movie Star, which would have been a cool swan song nomination, but he would that nobody else saw that movie, I guess. So I went with uh, one that you guys are probably going to agree with me. That's Ben Foster in Leave No Trace. Mm-hmm. He's, he's the best actor in the world without a nomination. I don't know when he could possibly get one if it didn't come for this. He, he's, he's just a crazy, crazy method actor, and I... I I loved his performance. It was one of the best performances anyone gave this year, and he should have he should have been nominated 
or maybe even winning this category. Yeah, that that's the other one I was I was considering. It was between Gosling and Foster. Zach, where are you going? Well, you know, normally I would try to be within the realms of the a possible a possibility, you know, hypothetical. But the fact that the Academy nominated Willem Dafoe for a movie that about thirty two people saw really means that they were maybe desperate this year. So I'm going to go out on a total limb for a performance that in a movie that very few people saw, and a performance that no one's talked about, and that is the lead character. Zayn Al Rafia for Capernaum, which is a nominee for Best Foreign Film from Lebanon. Now, relatively few people have seen this movie. It's had a limited release in the United States. Oprah is a champion of this film. Zayn Al Rafia is 11 years old, and uh, I realize child actors don't get a lot of nominations. He commands this movie. He's in every single scene of this two-hour intense drama about living in the slums in Lebanon, and he is extraordinary in it. It's kind of like the performance of the kid in uh, Pichote or... Um, you know the uh what's what's the uh, uh chop shop it's an extraordinary performance that um not many other actors could give he's an uh, you know he's a non-professional kid and he's amazing in the movie so i think the level of concentration and dedication to that performance is much greater than any of the other nominees and i wish he would get recognized i realize it's out there it would have never happened but if Willem Dafoe's going to get nominated, then why not Zane? And hey, we had we had two nominees from Roma, so... Exactly. It's possible. Uh, one thing about about Willem Dafoe's performance, I, I thought, you know, this is a completely random movie. And then I saw it was directed by Julian Schnabel. So, I mean, it's got some, some cred behind it. I, it's one I definitely want to see. I mean, a movie about Vincent Van Gogh directed by uh, a guy who paints a paints a picture on screen like like schnabel it's it's got to be a great movie and just under eight thousand people have voted it on imdb so yes very few people have seen it all right now to who is going to win uh it i'm there's a little bit of drama here but the definite favorite is rami malik i'm going with rami malik todd where are you going yeah i'm going with rami malik zach rami malik thrice approved thrice approved Moving on. Best Director. Todd, go over the nominees and tell us who should win. All right, the nominees are Adam McKay in Vice, uh, Alfonso Cuaron in Roma, Powell Palakowski in Cold War, Spike Lee, Black Klansman, and Yorgos Lanthimos uh, for The Favorite. Uh, this one is pretty much over. If it isn't over, then we have a definite shift in the power rankings of the Best Picture nominees. Uh, if anything beats, uh, Quaron, then it would definitely change things. Uh, but the one who I think should win is Yorgos Lanthimos. I think that he, uh, directs it and he, uh, in an almost Kubrickian way and uh, the favorite would not be the favorite if it wasn't for his uh, amazing direction and his vision because he didn't even write the screenplay and it still feels like a Yorgos Lanthanos movie. Alright. Zach, where are you going? 
Yep, total agreement with Todd. Yorgos Lanthimos will get my vote. Uh, visually, it's the most uh, spectacular of the five nominees in the directing category. Um, I think it, it, it must have been maybe the most challenging film to make out of those five in terms of just the visual look and the feel. And uh, his innovative use of like lenses and backdrops and lighting is... I, I think it's a movie that will be studied by film students in the next 30 or 40 years for just the look, which is just uh, amazing. So... Uh, and he's a deserving director. This is the, I think this is the best film that he's made. So absolutely, he would get my vote. All right. Well, for me, my number one movie of the year is Roma, and it's it it's there because of how Alfonso Cuaron um, directed it and made this masterpiece. Uh, so I have to say, Alfonso Cuaron is the one that deserves to win. Uh, it is an, it is outstanding what he was able to accomplish with this. He's possibly he's one of if not the best filmmaker we've got right now and his his works are are definitely uh are definitely something that you always have to pay attention to when they come out uh so i'm going alfonso cuaron uh is the one that should win todd who should have been nominated uh so for me it comes down to two people one of which didn't really have that much of a shot which is chloe zhao for the writer but so i went with uh, barry jenkins uh for if beale street could talk he he is pretty much as visionary as any uh, younger director that we have. Him and Damien Chazelle are like the future of Hollywood, and I think that Barry Jenkins, I think this is better than Moonlight, and I, I think that he, he should have been nominated for sure. All right, Zach? Uh, well, uh, I hate to repeat myself here, but uh, I'm going to have to go with Deborah Granick for Leave No Trace. You know, Jane Campion had an op-ed in The Hollywood Reporter about how uh, Leave No Trace deserves a Best Picture nomination and Deborah Granick deserves an Oscar nomination. She's been nominated before for Winner's Bone. If the Academy is serious about trying to be inclusive in its nominees, um, we need to get away from just all-male directors in what has been a year that I think is, frankly, a, a banner year for great uh, women directors. And uh, Granick's film is amazing, and uh, this is, uh, you know, uh, an Oscar nominee already, and she absolutely deserved a nomination here. And Jane Campion agrees. Yeah, uh, I, I would agree. Um, Chloe Zhao and, uh, and Deborah Granick both had, um, had amazing films that had amazing scope to them that um, it would have been great to see either of them be nominated uh, the one I'm going with, and I'm I'm gonna champion this movie again. Damien Chazelle for First Man. I mean, the fact that this movie was ignored as much as it was is ridiculous. Uh, I mean, he he just won the Oscar for his last film in La La Land for directing, and I think he did a better job of directing uh, this film. And it's ridiculous that he didn't get recognized at all. And this film really got ignored, except for a couple tech categories. So. Uh, I'm going. Damien Chazelle is the one that should have uh, that should have been nominated. Um, Todd, you've already uh, you've already hinted at it. Uh, who's gonna win? Uh, it's gonna be Alfonso Cuarón. If he doesn't win, then it they would be like Tom Hooper winning for The King's Speech, and then you already know what whichever one of these movies what it was that that's gonna win Best Picture. Okay. So yeah, it's gonna be Cuarón. Zach, who's gonna win? Cuarón. Thrice approved? Yep, thrice approved. Alfonso Cuaron, he's the one that's going to pull this one out. Okay. Best picture. I think this is a very fascinating uh, look here. 
Uh, Zach, why don't you give us the eight nominees and who you think should win out of these eight? All right, well, the nominees are A Star is Born, Black Klansman, Black Panther, Bohemian Rhapsody, Green Book, Roma, The Favorite, and Vice. Now, we've already established in this podcast that uh, at least Todd and I weren't big fans of Green Book and Vice, so those two don't belong really at all. Um, Bohemian Rhapsody really doesn't either. Um, the fact that its producer is Graham King is, probably says more as to why it's there than the actual quality of the film. Um, so that kind of leaves me in a bind a little bit. Um, and I think in the end, my vote would go to A Star is Born after thinking about it, even though the favorite placed higher on my end of the year list. The reason I would go for A Star is Born is because um, I saw all eight of these movies in theaters, including Roma. And uh, I think A Star is Born had the greatest kind of theatrical impact. I think people who were watching it um, didn't know quite what to expect with it. And the last 20 minutes of that movie, you could hear really a pin needle drop in, in the theater. Uh, people were devastated. People were crying at the end of that movie. I can't remember a theatrical experience quite like that in a while, where people were literally in tears after, after watching it. I guess that sort of spoils the movie to some degree. But um, I think it affects audiences really powerfully. And I don't know if Oscar voters are going to watch it, watch their screeners of it, knowing, I guess, the, you know, just how ignored it's been overall. But if we're talking about just the raw experience of watching a film and, abs and being absorbed by it and the quality of it and the performances and the music, um, I think A Star is Born is uh, pretty high and uh, pretty far and above the rest of the nominees with the possible exception of The Favorite, which I think is also really good. Um, the rest of the nominees I don't really think deserve to be there, but uh, A Star is Born will get my vote. All right, yeah, the, this is the first year where uh, before the nominations were announced, I had seen all of the nominees. That has never happened before, and this was the first year it had happened. Partially thanks to this podcast, it forced me to get off my butt and go to the theater and watch some of these movies that were coming out so, uh, so we could review them on here. Um, I've already mentioned my number one of the year is Roma, uh, so my vote would have to go to Roma as the, uh, as the one that should win Best Picture. Uh, it, it'd be strange to have a, a black and white foreign film uh, win Best Picture, but of these eight, it is the best movie, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say that is what should win. Uh, Todd, what should win? Well, I gave thumbs up to three of these movies. Um, <laughs> those are The Favorite, Roma, and Black Klansman. Uh, in Zach's rationale, I honestly think that Bohemian Rhapsody was the best movie-going experience of all of them, because I, I saw that, like, two months after it came out originally, and it was a sold-out matinee on a Friday, and it was crazy how much the audience responded to that movie. It was it was an awesome experience watching that movie, but I don't really think it's all that good. The best movie of the group is definitely Black Klansman. It's the only one that really comes close to my top ten of the year, and be uh, cool to give Jordan Peele another Oscar, and uh, Jason Blum definitely deserves it. He pretty much is the one of the more powerful indie producers that I can remember. And uh, Black Klansman's the best movie of this group of really, really bad nominees. I can't remember the last time I gave thumbs down to over half the Best Picture nominees, but go 2018. All right. Zach. Who, uh, what movie should have been nominated here that wasn't? Uh, for all the reasons I've already mentioned, uh, Leave No Trace. 
best movie of 2018. It had the 100% approval rating on Rotten Tomatoes. It had the star power. It had the director who's already been nominated. The fact that it was a female director should have improved its odds of getting a nomination. And it didn't. And Bohemian Rhapsody and Vice and Green Book did. Shame on the Academy. I'm going to agree. I've got Leave No Trace. It was my number two of the year behind Roma. Uh, it deserved to be there. And yeah, the fact that this was not even considered as a as an awards contender was kind of ridiculous and insulting. Todd, what should have been nominated? Yeah, I agree with you guys. It's Leave No Trace. I mean, I have other movies that ranked higher than it, but Leave No Trace is a movie that should have been nominated, and especially because... Deborah Granick's last movie was nominated for Best Picture. This obviously should have like, performed even better than that, because it is a better movie. Thrice approved. Thrice approved. It's a recurring theme on this episode. Yeah, yeah we're in agreement on several things. Now, this is going to be the interesting question. Zach, what is going to win Best Picture? I think you, we got to go chalk here. I think we go Roma, because in spite of the backlash against Netflix and in spite of uneducated viewers who probably won't watch their screeners because they don't want to watch a two-hour and 20-minute movie that's in black and white and Spanish, um, I think it has the pretentious factor. I think if you're going to look for one common trait of all the recent Best Picture winners, it's that they have a certain level of pretentiousness. And that ranges from Birdman to Moonlight to The Artist to The King's Speech. They're all just a little bit pretentious. And I think Roma has pretension in it. Not that I'm saying it's a bad movie, but um, I think voters like to pat themselves on the back when they vote for Best Pictures. And this is one that they feel proud to say, I watched Roma and I voted for Roma because I'm so smart and sophisticated. So uh, I, and it doesn't have the backlash that like Green Book or Bohemian Rhapsody has. I think the Oscars want to separate themselves from the Golden globes and uh they want to be elitist and snobbish and give it to a film that they probably didn't actually watch the screen screener of but they like the idea that they watched it so roma wins they don't have to watch the screener it's on netflix um todd has a has a foreign language film ever won best picture no no so that would be a, a first i i don't the only foreign film to win was hamlet and that was just produced in the uk yeah I, and and for that, I don't think Roma's going to win. I'm going with Green Book. Uh, I think it's down to those two, and I can't see them breaking that. Uh, I can't see them breaking that streak of going for a for a full foreign film to win Best Picture. Um, and and so I've got to go. I've got to go Green Book just on process of elimination here. Uh, Todd, well, what are you thinking? Well, I think there's only one of these movies that has no chance of winning, and that's Vice. I I think I can see a scenario where every other one wins, depending on how the awards go from like uh, editing and then a screenplay and on. Like it, it could go certain directions plausibly, and all the other ones could win. Editing, which think... will now be announced live again, thanks to a a, a huge uh, a huge campaign online. Yeah. Yeah, exactly, and that's obviously a good thing, because you don't want the Oscars being decided uh, <laughs> during a commercial break, because that probably would have decided Best Picture, especially if like Green Book wins that or something. Mm-hmm. But I don't think Green Book can win if its only other win is supporting actor. If it wins original screenplay, then it's back in the race. I I see a like 
I don't know. I, I'm probably still going to predict Roma, even though it doesn't really make any sense that a streaming movie would win, especially a foreign streaming movie. But they've done enough to try to make it more than that. I, I think it's probably the favorite right now, but I, I really could see a scenario where any of any like six of the other movies could win. Yeah, it I just it's gonna be interesting and I, I agree. Like like you said, it's gonna come down to what happens that night. Zach, like what if Bohemian Rhapsody wins best editing, then it's probably gonna win best picture. If Black Panther starts take, picking up all the things it's nominated for, it's probably gonna win best picture. But especially after just, picking just, up the SAG. Go ahead, Zach. I don't agree with that statement about Bohemian Rhapsody. I think that will win Best Editing, but I don't think it will win Best Picture. I think there's too much backlash. Going back to Terry's point, though, uh, can't you say that The Artist was a foreign film? I mean, it wasn't. there was no spoken dialogue in it, but it was a French-produced film with French actors and a French director. So I think the whole foreign language thing is a little bit overrated. I think the Netflix thing is probably uh, more of a factor in why there might be voter backlash to it. But uh, quite honestly, at this point, it had a theatrical release. It has an Academy Award-winning director, and um, it ha- it got the most nominations. So I don't know why the fact that it's foreign language would be that much of a mitigating factor at this point. Well, the thing is, it's like, I mean, what, what, how, how this has gone recently is like the, the movie that's most directed wins best director and then something else wins best picture something like light, like a, you know, say like chariots of fire, uh, beating reds or something like that. Or obviously in 2000 gladiators, like this big spectacle, but it, it lost to ones that are obviously better in director, like crouching tiger and traffic. Those are the one before Ridley Scott, like that's what happened. So Roma is the one that's winning Best Director, but I think that they could go a different direction and give it to some big spectacle like Bohemian Rhapsody or something light like Green Book instead. But if, like, somehow Yorgos Lanthimos wins Best Director, then obviously that's going to win. But you're know. still predicting Roma, though, right, Todd? Yeah, I, well, I mean, it's the favorite at this point. I, it's, the, it's the Vegas favorite right now, but I don't... I'm still not convinced. I think it's wide open. I think there's seven movies that could possibly win this, which is, like five more than usual i completely disagree i think this race is over i think this is the most predictable oscars since 2011 i think roma has it in the bag it's over it's done i would put a lot of money on it i don't see this race as much of a toss-up at all 2011 what it, what do you everyone knew the artist was going to win that year that was that was the most H- that was hugo the most recent had, had everything race. going for it during the oscars nah no but the artist had the weinsteins back when you know they weren't sexually you know sexual assaulters like people who have been nominated this year but that's a different story although on a related note roma has the least amount of backlash too i mean the academy has you know damage control in place they don't want to give it to green book or bohemian rhapsody there's way too much bad baggage there you know but they also don't want to give it to a movie that nobody has seen i think they they go that did anyone really see the artist i mean did anyone really see birdman yeah but coming off the worst rated oscars in like 30 years like that they're that's the thing like they need to have it be something that people have seen which is why bohemian rhapsody and black panther have a real shot at winning but terry just made the best point for roma which is that you know i mistakenly said well oscar voters won't watch their screeners well as terry said they don't have to they can actually just watch netflix now so like yeah but who watches roma on netflix like who what casual movie watcher watches uh, a foreign black and white movie on netflix nobody but everyone watches all the voters watch screeners though they don't go to movie theaters i mean that's never been a factor i I think everything that you guys are saying which is why foreign movies never win 
I, I think everything that you guys are saying are proving why it's even more confounding that a star is born has faded in this race and really has no I shot. I still think it's got a real shot at winning. Nah. I would love it if it. I, I would love it. I would jump up the air for joy, like when the Departed won in '06. That that was, yeah, that would be wonderful. Yeah, I don't. I don't think, especially the snub and director. I don't think it's it's got it gives a, shot. It a sympathy, sympathy vote. It's the sympathy vote. Argo. Vote <sighs> it's the, it's the Ben Affleck vote. All right. Well, and and so we we come to the fact that the most interesting. Uh, the most interesting conversation around this whole thing is what's going to happen with Best Picture. Uh, because everything else, I mean, what we were thrice approved on almost everything else, and now we come to Best Picture except and for original we are screenplay. all over the place. Yeah, except for original screenplay. But it, it's going to be really interesting to see uh, what ends up happening on Oscar night. And again, please make sure that you fill out your uh, your Oscar challenge ballot so that you can make your predictions as well so you uh so you know what's coming up now that you have a little bit of uh of background on what we think might be happening um all right let's move on from that uh we've got a couple more things we want to do in this podcast uh before we sign off and the the next thing we're going to do is trivia are you ready well let's hope so oh i forgot about this John Boyd is a slap in the face. This is going downhill quick. Trivia. So, uh, it has not been that long since uh, our last podcast recording, and so um, Zach was uh, going to watch Bottle Shock. He hasn't had a chance to watch it yet, so on our next podcast, we are going to have two uh, trivia reviews, uh, which might end up being two from Zach. We'll see what ends up happening. Uh, I'm hosting trivia this time. It is Todd versus Zach. Uh, the old oh, so school we'll original matchup, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I have an extensive Oscar trivia uh, here that I'm really excited about. Uh, that has uh, multiple uh, multiple categories, multiple rounds, and we're gonna see how it goes here. Uh, so we're gonna start uh, with round one. All of these categories, all of them, all of these categories. Uh, have to do with Best Director Oscars. <clears throat> All of them have to do with uh, with Best Director Oscars. All right, so our first round, uh, we're going to do something a little differently in our first round. Our first round, uh, there are two categories here, and each of you will be given your own category to try and run. For each, each response you get correct, you will get a point, and when you miss one, the other one will be able to steal some points on any of them that they might know that you missed. Okay, so Todd, since you hosted our last uh, our last trivia, I'm going to give you the option. Uh, this uh, this category, the category for our first round is underrepresentation. Uh, Todd, would you like the first category or the second category? <laughs> um. What a question. I it, guess I'll take the first category. He'll take the first category, so that he's going first. Zach is going second. Todd, can you name the five female directors nominated for Best Director? Uh, Catherine Bigelow. That is correct. Sofia Coppola. That is correct. Um, Ten seconds. 
Yeah, yeah. Did the Five, alcohol get to him? Four, three, two, and one. I don't know. Yeah, I'm drawing a blank on the other one. He's ones. drawing a blank on the other ones. He got two of the five. He's got two points. Zach, can you uh, steal any points from him on ones that he missed? Lena Wertmuller. That is correct. Jane Campion. That is correct. You mentioned on this podcast. And uh, Greta Gerwig. That is also correct. Greta Gerwig, yeah. All right, so right now it is a uh, three to two lead for Zach going into Zach's category. Uh, Zach, uh, Spike Lee was the sixth black man nominated for best director this year. Can you name the other five? Barry Jenkins. That is correct. Steve McQueen. Correct. John Singleton. Correct. Lee Daniel. Correct. That's incorrect. Oh. Lee Daniels. Yeah, all right. Yeah, he's got a point. Really? Yep, we're going to go with it. We're going to go with it. On a technicality. Yep, yep. All right, so Todd, you get the point for that one. We're going to go with it. Okay. And there's one. I think there's one more left out there. One, two, three. Jordan Peele. Jordan Peele was the last one, yep. Okay. Ooh, that that was that was a that was tough. That was a tough one right there. All right, but Zach still is holding a six to four lead. All right, this next category is one that you guys are going to participate in together. You're going to go back and forth and see how far you get. Um, that sounds sexual. And uh, it sounds like the the uh, it, it's what we usually do. Uh, this category is directors with the most best picture nominees. Uh, there are 19 directors that have had five or more movies nominated for Best Picture. And we're going to go back and forth on this. Since Todd went first on the last one, Zach, you are going first on this one. Go ahead and go. Uh, John Ford. John Ford has had nine. That is correct. Uh, Scorsese. Scorsese has had eight. Spielberg? Spielberg has had 11. William Wyler? William Wyler is the leader with 13. Woody Allen? Woody Allen is incorrect. Todd, there's a bunch left out there. You get a point for every one you get. Billy Wilder? Billy Wilder has had five. That is correct. Uh, let's see, uh, George Cukor. George Cukor has had seven. That is correct. Uh, Frank Capra. Frank Capra has had seven. That is correct. Uh, Ten seconds. Five. Four. Yeah, I got nothing. All right. Well, uh, Todd is now leading nine to eight. The ones that you guys missed, starting at the bottom. Zinnemann? Yep, he's on the list. Uh, Ernst Lubitsch that. has five. Lewis Milestone has five. Leo McCary has five. Norman Jewison has five. Francis Ford Coppola has five. Sam Wood has six. Michael Curtiz has six. 
Fred Zinneman has six. David Lean has six. George Stevens has seven. Henry King has seven. And Mervyn Leroy has eight. All right. Mervyn Leroy. Mervyn Leroy. Good old Mervyn. Whatever happened to him? Round three. Probably died. <laughs> well done, Todd. Round three. Uh, round three, Zach, you're going to get a choice on whether you want to go first or second on this one since Todd had it in round one. Uh, the category is doubling up directors. Would you like the first category or the second category? I will go first. You will go first. Can you name the three directors that have had two nominations for best director in the same year? Steven Soderbergh. That is correct. I think we got to go back for this one. Um, Frank Capra. Incorrect. Todd, can you steal either of the last two? Uh, is if it he gets... Fleming? Incorrect. If, do I get another guess? No. No, but you can. I should. You can. Uh, you can throw out a guess. Go ahead. Michael Curtis. Michael Curtis is correct. Nineteen thirty-eight. I should get a point for that. If you're going to take away a point from Lee Daniel for not pronouncing the S, I should get a point for that. You know what? Come I'll on, allow Terry. I'll allow it. Thank you. All right, but you can't. You can't go any further. Yeah, Michael Curtis in nineteen thirty-eight for Dan Angels with Dirty Faces and Four Daughters. Uh, the other one was Clarence Brown in nineteen thirty for Romance and Anna Christie. Okay. Classics. Todd, you get the second category. Can you name the three directing tandems that have been nominated for Best Director? So two people that co-directed the three co-directors that have been nominated for uh, Best Director. Mm, the Coens. That is correct. It's happened to them twice, actually. Um, ten seconds. Five, four, three, two, yeah, one. All right, Zach. There's two out there. Can you steal one? Robert Rise and uh, Jerome Robbins. Four. I have to name the film. Well, West Side Story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah, yeah, yeah you're right. Out. You're right. You don't have to name the film. Yep, that is correct. And uh, Warren Beatty and Buck Henry. For Heaven Can Wait. That is also correct. All right. Zach has a 12 to 10 lead after round three. Moving on to round four. Uh, this one is going to be a back and forth. There are 19 directors that have been nominated for Best Director for their directorial debut. Can you name them? Todd, you are going to go first this time. Okay, um, Sam Mendes. Sam Mendes not only was nominated, but he won. That is correct. Kevin Costner. Kevin Costner was also a winner. Correct. Um... John Singleton. John Singleton is correct. 
Rob Marshall. Rob Marshall for Chicago. That is correct. Uh, Bennett Miller for Capote. Correct. Robert Redford. Robert Redford won for Ordinary People. That is correct. That's not his first movie. Yep. Didn't he have one in like 76? Was it? I mean, I, don't know. I have it here saying it's his directorial debut. Whatever. Repeating the list. Continue, Todd. Uh, Jordan Peele. Jordan Peele is correct for Get Out. Ten seconds. Five, four, three, two, one. Need an answer. Nope. Nothing. Todd, can you get any more? Sydney Lumet. Sydney Sydney Lumet for Twelve Angry Men is correct. Wow, that's impressive. That was his first film. Yep. Wow. Have any others, Todd? Uh... Well, I mean, I don't know. I mean, does Greta Gerwig count? Greta Gerwig she counts. Had, she had co-directed a movie. Greta Gerwig counts. She's on the list. Correct. Uh, um, Ten seconds. Uh, yeah, it's not Todd Field, unfortunately. Todd Haynes? No. Nope. That's all right. Nope. All right. Well, the score is now 16 to 15. Todd has a one-point lead. Um, was Mike Nichols on Mike the list? Mike Nichols was on the list for Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf. Forgot that. Uh, the other winners were Delbert Mann for Marty. Um, it's kind of cheating, but Jerome Robbins for West Side Story. Um, that shouldn't count. Uh, James L. Brooks for Terms of Endearment. Those were the other winners. <sighs> uh, how about Orson Welles for Citizen Kane? Yeah. Uh, Jack Clayton for Room at the Top. Frank Perry for David and Lisa. Uh, Mike Nichols for Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf. Warren Beatty and Buck Henry for Heaven Can Wait. Uh, Paul Haggis for Crash. And Ben Zeitlin for Beasts of the Southern Wild. Okay, moving into our last round. What's the score? The score is 16 to 15. Todd, you are leading. Uh, this category is multiple nominations do you want to go first or second do you want the first category or the second category I'll take this category you'll take the first category alright can you name the eight directors that have been nominated for best director and best actor for the same film there are eight of them Okay. Uh, there's Warren Beatty. Warren Beatty has actually done it twice for Heaven Can Wait and Reds. That is correct. Woody Allen. Woody Allen for Annie Hall. Correct. Kevin Costner. Kevin Costner for Dances with Wolves. That is correct. Orson Welles. 
Orson Welles for Citizen Kane. That is correct. Laurence Olivier. Laurence Olivier for Hamlet. That is correct. Mm. Ten seconds. Five, four, three, two, one. Need an answer? I, I don't Nothing. Know. All right. Zach, there are three left. Can you steal? Uh, I have two in mind. One of them's going to be right. One of them's wrong, and I'm going to say the wrong one. So I'll say the wrong one. Kenneth Branagh. Kenneth Branagh for Henry V. That is correct. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, 89. Nice. Uh, and the only other one I got is Roberto Benini. Was he nominated for director? Roberto Benini is correct yeah, for Life is Beautiful. And I don't know the third. Oh, guys. Oh, George George Clooney? No. Well, did we say best actor? Uh, yeah, okay, it needed so. to be best actor. Oh, Cl uh, Clint hey, yeah, Eastwood. Yeah, you already missed it. But yeah, Clint Eastwood <laughs> actually did it twice for Unforgiven oh, and yeah. Million Dollar Baby. Well, that counts, right? You didn't say no. It you twice, said right? no. You said you said, uh, you said Clooney. Clooney first, so that doesn't count. Oh, that's okay. and he wasn't but nominated I... for the movie he directed either. Okay, so moving into Zach's category, it is twenty-one to seventeen. Zach, you need four to tie, five to win. Here is your category. Can you name the seven directors that pulled off? the trifecta of winning best director, best writing, and best producer in this for the same movie. So you're saying they won producer? They won producer, writer, director, all for the same movie. There's seven of them. In the same year? Yes. Okay, so producer, writer, and director. Yes. All right, just, just making sure, sorry. Um, okay, uh, Woody Allen? Woody Allen is incorrect. Well, there we go. Congratulations, Todd. Todd, <laughs> can you, uh, you, you want to take a shot at this one? Well, I did have one. I forgot what it was, though. Um, oh, the, oh, the Coens. The Coens did it for No Country for Old Men. Uh, Coppola. Coppola did it for Godfather Part 2. Billy Wilder. Billy Wilder did it for The Apartment. Yeah, that's all I got. Eli Kazan? Nope. The other ones... So, what? Uh, so Woody Allen didn't win Best Director? Is that what it was? He didn't win Producer. I'll have what? to, I'll oh, have to he check. Wasn't, he wasn't a producer? I guess not. I'll have to check I thought he that. was. Let me check. Annie Hall. Uh, he was not a producer. It was uh, Charles H. Jaffe was the only producer. So the uh, the four that you guys missed, Alejandro G. Inaritu for Birdman, oh, yeah. Peter Jackson for Return of the King, James L. Brooks for Terms of Endearment, and Leo McCary for Going My Way. All right, so with a score of 24 to 17, by far the most extensive trivia game that we have played on our podcast, Todd is the winner. Todd gets to pick a movie either for uh, Zach or myself, or potentially both of us, 
uh, to watch. Or potentially someone on the Red and Brown podcast. Or potentially someone on the Red and Brown podcast. They have they don't realize that they've agreed to this, but uh, we are agreeing them to it. Have them watch it by our Oscar live show. There you go. That would be a great conversation. All right. It is now time to wrap this up with a quote of the day. Strawberries. Not the cheese. Womack. With a little sex in it. Quote of the day. All right. Uh, I am going to go first on my quote. Uh, My quote is from a a movie I mentioned as a potential nominee uh, for one of the categories. Um, A a crazy wild movie uh, called Sorry to Bother You. Um, and, and I will, I will definitely give you a shout out, um, on our podcast next time. If one of you get, leaves us a review on iTunes, uh, with this quote, because I think it sums up this podcast quite nicely. Uh, it is said by, uh, Army Hammer's character, uh, to Lakeith Stanfield's character. He, he grabs his face, gets really close and simply says, you are awesome so someone needs to leave us that as a review on itunes and if you do it i will give you a shout out um on the podcast next episode so let's see who's listening let's see if someone does it and adam you don't count you can't do it there's got to be somebody other than adam all right uh zach what's your quote my quote comes from the greatest Oscar movie of all time, or the greatest movie about the Oscars of all time, which is Naked Gun 33 and a Third. And it comes when uh, Frank Drebin is disguised as Phil Donahue, and he's trying to make sure that the bomb doesn't explode at the Oscars because it's in the Best Actress envelope. And he's on stage with Raquel Welch, and um, he's trying to prevent her from opening the envelope. So he says, Raquel... So many people go to bed hungry in this nation, yet cat food is full of tuna. Each time I go to the zoo and see those porpoises crammed up into tiny tanks, I think, what a waste that is. Butcher half of them now. That's a lot of dolphin meat that can be fed to our cats, freeing them up the tuna for our nation's hungry. For so many are cold, shivering in the night. So I say, take those cats and skin them. And that applies really to our podcast, if you think about it. Brilliant. If you leave that as a comment... On uh, <laughs> as a review on iTunes, I I will I will worry about your mental health. Um, <laughs> Todd, <laughs> what what is your quote? All right, so I'm with a quote of uh, one of my favorite lines of uh, Oscar hosts of uh, the recent years because we don't have an Oscar host this year. This is Chris Rock at the 88th Oscars. He says, "Jada Pinkett Smith boycotting the Oscars is like me boycotting Rihanna's panties." I wasn't invited. <laughs> that does not apply to this podcast, but you know. Well, we weren't invited to the Oscars, so it kind of True. does. It kind of does. All right. Well, uh, thanks again for uh, for listening in. Uh, we hope you enjoyed it. Again, please uh, subscribe, rate, review on iTunes. Yes, review on iTunes. You'll get a shout out uh, on this podcast next time. Uh, enjoy watching the Oscars on Sunday. Uh, we'll catch you in a couple weeks, and until then, enjoy watching movies. Despite your crass behavior, I'm glad we were able to do this together.